Good morning, welcome. We're so glad to have you here with us this morning. The Bible says that they were glad as they entered into the house of the Lord, and we're excited to worship with you. If you could, just go ahead and stand to your feet as we get ready to worship our King together.
to you how much God loves you. It's actually represented in uh, what you see at the table this morning. We call this the Lord's table. If you remember in the story in the Bible when the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, remember? And they spent time in what they called the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. And by the miracle of God, Every day, God provided what was called manna. Remember that story in the Bible? And they would go out and gather up the manna every day, and it was enough for that day only. They actually weren't allowed to try to gather what lasted more than that day, but every day they'd go out and gather this, this bread, this manna that God miraculously provided them, and it was their provision, their sustenance for that day. And it began to teach them to be dependent upon him. And then later, uh, when Jesus had come, his disciples said, teach us how to pray. And, and part of the prayer that Jesus taught them said this, give us this day our daily bread. Remember that? And he's drawing on that story from the Israelites with God in the wilderness that every day God provided the bread, the manna for them to live for that day. And Jesus said, one of the best things you can pray is give us this day our daily bread. God is concerned for the provision of your life. But as Jesus often does, he takes it to another place. And later in the Gospel of John, one of the great I am statements, he says, I am the bread of life. And he begins to teach us that, yes, God is providing for us in, in the things that we need to live, but there's a greater need in your life, and that's the need of salvation and forgiveness of your sins. And that Jesus is the bread of life. And what this table represents is the fact that Jesus is the bread of life because when he died on the cross, he gave his body for each one of us. The bread of life represented as the bread at the table today. And of course, along with that, in the provision that he has given us, his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So this table, in a certain way, represents this day, our daily bread. 
because Jesus is the one that sustains us and provides for our salvation, but what it means to live a new life in him, amen? And that's what this is about. So what we do as a church, we do what Jesus asked us to do, is to consistently partake of this in remembrance of what he did. What the Bible, uh, we, we heard called the Last Supper, he's with the disciples and he breaks the bread and he gives the cup and basically taking that whole Passover story and reorienting it to himself. That's what this represents. This is representative of the need, the greatest need of your life being met and that's the forgiveness of your sins. Just like that song was talking about. That he is the one, the only one, the only way for our life truly to be changed and for new life to be given. You can't find it any other way. You can search and you can look and you can try things and you can do this, that, and the other thing. You can be successful. You can have a lot of money. You can do everything you want to do in life, but you can't save your soul. Only Jesus does that. Now, this does not save you. This is representative of it. This does not mean you join a church or, or, be, or become a member of a specific church, but this is partaking a remembrance of the death of Jesus and the blood of Jesus for our salvation. So if you would like to, you don't have to. If you would like to partake of communion today, we ask you to come out to the middle aisle and make your way down, grab the elements and head back to your seat. We'll, we'll take it together in just a moment. But if you'd like to, you can come now and take it and we'll, we'll gather together in just a minute in prayer and partake together. not just a nice story, not just a religious story. Every year we, we celebrate Christmas, and everything it turns into, it's about the birth of Jesus. He literally was alive and here on this planet Earth, God in flesh. And then a little later in the year, we, in the spring, we have Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Not just a nice story, 
Jesus that was born into this world, God in flesh, literally died on a cross, body given. Blood literally shed. And of course, Easter Sunday, he literally rose from the dead three days later, bodily, physically. Christianity is not a, just a nice idea. It's not a story somebody made up, but true life, real events that happened on this earth. And that's what this represents. And one of the reasons we actually take physical elements that are here, we just don't think about it, we partake, is to remind us that Jesus was really here. He really had a body, and he really shed his blood. This is the great love of God, that he would pay the penalty of sin, which is death, in our place, and in doing so, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. Because nothing can take care of your sins but the work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. So as we partake today, we remember that. But I would encourage you in this. Before you partake today, maybe you feel far from God. Maybe you don't feel like you've ever really had relationship with him. Maybe you know as you're standing there, you've never really asked for the forgiveness of your sins. Here's the amazing thing about God. He's always calling those far to come near. And he's always willing to forgive anything. The Bible says that if you just ask, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's amazing. Absolutely, positively, the greatest gift of your life is the forgiveness of your sins. So before we partake today, just a moment, why don't you take time, and if you're in any of those scenarios, all you do is say, God, I'm here, please forgive me. God, I feel far from you, please, please bring yourself near, and allow him to do what only he can do, amen? Let's, let's do that for a moment. We praise you, Jesus, and we worship you. And for those crying out to you for the forgiveness of your sins, we know that you respond and you hear and you answer. Thank you. You're so wonderful, so incredible. Lord, for those that feel far from you, I pray there's a tangible expression of your presence with us today. They know somehow, some way that you are there. And that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, you are always with us. We thank you for that. This is so wonderful, so amazing, so incredible. Thank you so much. For this bread represents the body of Jesus crucified on the cross given for us in our place. Jesus, we remember today, once again, what you have done for us. Thank you for dying on that cross. We partake of the bread in remembrance of that. Let's partake together. And in the mystery of God, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin or sins cannot be forgiven. It's a mystery of God. Blood representing the life of a, of a person. And Jesus, we remember that when you died on the cross, your blood was shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you. For this wonderful love that you wanted so much 
to see our sins forgiven. A creation that walked away from you, you were bringing us back through what you have done. Thank you for that. Let's partake of the cup together. Just for a second, just, just thank him. In your own ways, in your own words, in your own expression, just thank him for what he has done for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For a love that we can't comprehend and for an act that we cannot comprehend fully. Thank you. Oh, Jesus, so wonderful. Oh, Jesus.
Father, you are all, Lord, the one who supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory, Lord. We just give you praise this morning. Know that, that you have defeated the grave. There's no other end besides that. We thank you, God, that even now you're preparing a place for us. We said yes to you, Jesus. Our life truly began.
good morning, everybody. It's good to have you this morning. All right, so at this time, we'll uh, take up tithe and offerings. So if you have um, something to give today. I know. While I'm waiting, live streamers, good to have you wherever you're watching from. Facebook, YouTube, whatever platform you're on, it's good to have you live streamers. But for those of you here in the house this morning, if you have tithe and offering to prepare, you can do so. Offering envelopes are in chairs in front of you. If not, Mike, uh, one of our ushers has them. You can wave your hand around. Also, Mike has uh, what we prayer request cards. So if you have a prayer need, we'd love to join with you in prayer about uh, whatever's going on in your life. You can wave your hand around and ask for one of those, and he'll get you one and just get it back to him or me, and we'll uh, make sure we're praying for uh, the needs in your life. But as you're giving today, we appreciate your giving. Uh, you're so faithful and so dedicated. And uh, we believe that God uh, takes the increase what comes into the church and does beyond uh, anything that we can comprehend fully uh, what he does in the kingdom as we're doing what we're called to do, and he multiplies that work. So as you give today, it's an act of faith that we believe that God is always providing in front of us, and our giving honors him as a result of that. So let me pray over your tithe and offering. If you have it, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you. Uh, for an opportunity to come together this morning, just be together, worship together, dig into the, the, the Bible in just a moment together. But Lord, as we give, it's part of our worship. Our tithe is holy unto you. And uh, Lord, you are so wonderful. You're so faithful. And, and the provision of our life is always there, Lord. And, and we thank you for that because all, all that comes to us comes from you. And our giving is a, a response to that, Lord. As we give, Lord, we're just so thankful for everything you have done and the things you always do for us. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, you can bring it. I do have some announcements before we get into the Bible today. Uh, don't forget, today at 5 o'clock, Joy Fellowship meeting. It's our, it's our senior group that gets together, but they always tell me it's not just for the seniors. Anybody can come. It's at 5 o'clock. They meet downstairs uh, in the corner room in our basement. It's at 5 o'clock again, and bring some food to share if you want to. If you don't, they always have plenty of food. They spend some time in the Bible, but really just hang out and fellowship together. So if you have questions about that, Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around so they know who you are. You can see them, and that's a great thing that they do. We appreciate that. Uh, next Sunday, by the way, is what we call One Big Family Sunday. And One Big Family Sunday is when the kids are with us for the entire church service, which we love to do from time to time. And they participate in uh, the worship service and they come up and help me read the scriptures to you and all sorts of stuff. So that's next Sunday. But also know at the end of church next Sunday, we'll probably close up a little bit early. We have our church picnic. So we're going to head over to the Urbana Park and hang out there. So bring, please bring some side dishes and desserts to share okay uh bring some good ones all right so if you need to know what some good ones are you can ask me but i like apple pie just telling you that um but we'll provide the main dish uh but that's at the park we'll hang out uh play some play some games play some volleyball whatever and just have a good time together that's sunday after church next week and then the next day uh the 31st monday we begin what we call serve week and every night during serve week, we're going to do something outside of our church because uh, we like to get outside of our church. We're not just a group of people that gathers together. 
we like to go do stuff in our community, right? So every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to do something outside of our church for our community. If you want to know what's happening, there's sign-up sheets at the back and sign up for one of the nights or all the nights if, if you want to help out. And, and each night, it's listed back there what is happening that night. So serve week, July 31st through August the 4th. And then also, uh, something people have been asking me about. I'm just going to say this. Uh, right now on the ballot uh, for voting coming up right now is something called Issue 1, okay? Um, and I'm just going to say this. Uh, it's an important uh, voting measure, so please go get educated about it, read about it, pray about it, and vote according to what you feel in your heart. But I'm not going to get into the details of it, but if you want to know details, Tom, wave your hand around. Bill and Patsy, you can talk to them, but please go to them. How many know it's very important that we exercise our rights to vote because they have lasting impact? So issue one's a big one. Get educated about it. Get out there and vote about it. But you can see them for information about it, and they'll fill you in a little bit of the importance of what uh, is going on. So having said that, get your Bibles out if you have one. If you don't, it's okay. We'll put the scriptures up on the screen uh, as we go through them this morning. But we're third week into a series on Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. I, th I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in kids' church. I remember that, that kids' church song, He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love. And it had motions to it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I hated that. Um, when I was a kid, any song that they made you do motions, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I was that kid. And you remember, there's always one adult in there that would come and grab you and make you do the motions. I hated those people. So just so you know, that was me. I was never really into all that. Now, I, I did the one, uh, what was it? I'm, I'm too young to march in the... Or, yeah, I did that one because that was like an army thing. You got to shoot, but the vine and branches, I wasn't having that. So anyways, uh, third week on vine and the branches. Now, in the Gospel of John... So the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're the, the books of the Bible that tell the story of Jesus. And the Gospel of John is listed last in that order. And in the Gospel of John, there are what are called the seven great I am statements. So Jesus would say something about himself, and if you kind of put them all together, they kind of paint a picture of who he is and what he was about and what he came to do. So some of the great I am statements, he said, I am the bread of life. We talked about that during communion. Uh, he said, I'm the light of the world, right? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. So there were seven of these statements that he made that were uh, self-revelation to let you know that not only he is who he is, but he is the fulfillment of all what we call the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, but he has come to inaugurate God's saving work in this world. Do you know that we're a bunch of messed up people, but God loves us so much he's come to save us? That's the great love of God. And one of the great I am statements we find in John chapter 15, so let's go there. And, and I'm just going to read for a couple minutes. And uh, we'll come back and talk about one aspect of this this morning. John chapter 15, verse number 1, he says, I am the true vine. And my father, God, is the vine dresser, or he is the gardener. One aspect of how you can look at God is he's the great gardener. We'll talk about that in a moment. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that may bear more fruit. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, but abide in me. It's what we talked about last Sunday. Abide in me, and I am you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, show me that orange. My daughter plays softball. She can throw it to me. You don't have to walk. She didn't even trust herself. Okay, thank you. All right, this is obviously a what? It's an orange. If you can see that part, it's an orange. This fruit kind of proves itself. There's not much question to what this is. If, if, if you've been around fruit much, you know this is an orange, not an apple. It's an orange, not a lemon. It's an orange, not a banana, and so forth. You can't fake fruit in your life. In other words, what comes forth from your life is very evident. It's not only evident to what you are, but it's evident to what you're connected to because this came from a what? Orange tree. There's no question about that. It's not like, well, that's an orange, but I'm not sure what kind of tree it grew from. It, it didn't grow from an apple tree. It didn't grow from a pear tree. It grew from an orange tree. So, so in other words, what Jesus is saying is, I'm the vine. In other words, he is the true source of life. And we are the branches that if we are in him, truly in him, we will produce life that's in keeping with being connected to him. In other words, what the Bible would say, a disciple. You can't fake this. What the amazing thing, what the amazing work of God is, he takes things that are dead and producing nothing to produce life. So during this series, I've been telling you about my garden. I am not a great gardener. I try. Maybe not my best, because I don't spend a ton of time out there, but I try. Half of my garden, my tomatoes are doing amazing. Half of my garden, my zucchinis, they died. I have no, I don't, and zucchinis are usually easy. They died. I don't, I don't know what happened. So if, if God was involved in that situation, if, I just, if he was able to get involved, not only would the tomato plants continue to thrive, but he could bring life to my zucchini plants that are dead because he is the amazing one that can take dead things and make them life and produce something. So your life is supposed to produce fruit or evidence by how you live that you're connected to Jesus. In other words, Christianity is not just something you live, but it's eventually the life that you live. It's not, I mean, it's not something you just think and believe, but it's eventually the life that you live. So, in other words, uh, in other words, Jesus, the source of life, 
And God being the vine dresser, the great gardener, he's the best gardener, will not only give you new life, forgiveness, and salvation, but then he will help you produce the life in keeping with being a disciple. A forgiven church must become a fruitful church. That's what he's after. And, and the last part of that, what we read was, and God is glorified when that happens. That's an amazing thing. When we produce life in keeping with being his, being his disciple, God is glorified. He delights in that. It's a wonderful thing. But there's something that Jesus said there that I, I want to talk to you about today. Let's go back to uh, verse number two. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that may bear more fruit. Now, here's the thing. I, I'll trade you here, Hope. Give, give me that little tool here. This, this is something, not very big, but you can use this to prune plants and small trees. This is a pruning tool. And what do you do with this tool? You cut things away. The master gardener at times in your life will cut things away. So here's, here's the question I have for you, and Lila, you can throw this up on the screen. This is the one screen we have today. Do you trust the master gardener with your life even when he prunes you? Think about that. Now, again, he's the master gardener. He knows best. And there are times in your life when he's going to do some pruning. He's going to work to cut things away. Do you trust him that when he comes to prune you, that you're willing to submit and give in such a way that he can? Here's what happens. When... When something is pruned, and again, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a great gardener. I don't understand all this, but here's some things that I, I saw when I looked this up. When something is pruned or when something is cut away, it removes things dead and dying. It removes things that are, that are infected and diseased. It can remove something that's hindering the growth. Actually, uh, pruning can rejuvenate an old plant or it can rejuvenate a plant that's become overgrown. But here's the thing. Pruning, when done properly, improves the health of the plant or the tree. So in other words, when God is trying to prune something in your life, it is for your benefit. Think about that. Now, here's what I know. Pruning, first off, is not punishment. It is for our growth. If you are never pruned, you will never fully grow into the things that you could grow into with the fruit of your life, or in other words, becoming what he intends you to be. God prunes with love and mercy, always with our best interests in mind, whether or not we immediately understand what's happening or like it. So God is working to do things in you that are for your benefit, but immediately in the moment, you may not 
like it. Think about that. Because in his wisdom, he knows better, he knows more. And if he's always looking out for our good, then at times we got to understand that we have to submit to the master gardener to work in our life, if you want to see it that way with that analogy. But here's what I know. You see, we all like to be encouraged. We all like it when somebody says something to us that builds us up and makes us feel good. We like it when somebody may send us an encouraging Bible verse, or we like it when we feel the presence of God, or, or at times we feel his peace, or, or it feels like he's just simply smiling at us, you know? We like to be encouraged, but we often don't like it when we're pruned. We don't like it at times when we're held accountable. We, we don't like it... <clears throat> When in the pruning process, we're sort of exposed to ourselves, And we get a glimpse of things that need to change. Dead things that need to cut out. Things that are sort of infected or diseased that need to leave from our life. <clears throat> we don't often like it when we're challenged. When we're made aware that something needs to change. Something needs to stop. Something that's beneficial that we're doing that needs to stop. Excuse me. Or simply that something is sinful in our life that needs to go. Sometimes, by the way, when things need pruned, whether it's things that are dead and dying in our life, things that are infected and diseased, sometimes it's obvious to us, sometimes it is not. That's why it's a good thing to ask the Lord, you know, find offensive ways in me as David prayed and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, help me become what you intend me to be. We love to be encouraged, but we often don't like to be pruned. See, I, I ask, uh, so the staff I'm involved in at the, the main campus, I asked them, I, I sent a text, we have a, a, a staff thread. I said, tell me some things, took kind of a poll. Tell me some things that you think God prunes in our lives, okay? Here's some things they sent back. The first one, I, first text I got back was, God often deals with your attitude. Uh-huh. Another one I got back is, he deals with your thought processes that aren't right or, or, or cause us to, to be into patterns of life that are not healthy. He obviously deals with certain actions and certain reactions. He deals with some things that may not be sinful, but they're not beneficial. Oh, here, here's one. They said, often he'll get after us and prune unhealthy relationships. He'll deal with things like worry and fear. Things that distract us from him. He prunes those things. Anything that's contrary to the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Oh, he often deals with us in pruning way with unforgiveness and past hurts. But here is the key to know, regardless of whatever it is that he wants to deal with in our life, pruning ultimately encourages growth. So it is encouragement. You like it when somebody encourages you. You don't like when, when pruning comes, but at the same time, pruning is actually encouragement because after the pruning, it encourages growth. 
it's good for you. And you'll never grow into what God intends unless pruning happens. So in other words, well, I like to be encouraged, but I really don't like to be corrected, challenged, changed. That's really not what it means to grow in the kingdom. Because the fullness of fruitfulness only happens when pruning is a part of the process. And you have to understand that. So the master gardener, God, he will use different avenues and different kind of tools, different ways to prune you. So, so here's some different ones. Obviously, the scriptures will use this to prune you. We learn. And what we learn through the leading of the Holy Spirit and the enlightenment of the Spirit here is applicable to your life. It'll help prune you. Scriptures help prune us. Obviously, the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit in your life is a pruning process. Conviction, don't do that. That, that can be part of pruning in your life. Do do this. That can be part of pruning in your life. But the leading of the Holy Spirit will help. Sometimes when we're in the middle of trials or seasons of life when things like things are not working out right, God will use some of those times to help prune us and change us and grow us. That's why sometimes you're just not rushed out of the trial in your life. <clears throat> sometimes God may not have been the author of it, but he's going to teach you something in it. He'll teach you. Oh, uh, the community of believers that gathers together. You know, when, when iron sharpens iron, it's not always pat on the back smiles and happy roses all the time. Sometimes the community of believers, when iron sharpens iron, we're part of the pruning process of God. Authority in your life. Authorities that are there. Wisdom in your life can help pruning process. So, so as a pastor of a church, there's a certain authority that I have. Not more than it is, but also not less. So sometimes authority can be used in your life in a pruning process. When, when God is calling you to forgive somebody you don't want to forgive, that can be part of the pruning process. So there's all sorts of ways that God will use things to prune us in order that we grow. Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to go there, in verse number 1. Let, let me read you something out of Hebrews that kind of highlights a little bit of what we're talking about this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, in light of that, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you do not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, watch the encouragement here. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And, you, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline or the pruning of the Lord, 
nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son is there from, from whom his father does not discipline? And if you are left without discipline, in which all that have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but yet it, it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See that? Part of our growth has to involve the Lord bringing some sort of discipline or pruning to our life. A good father or a good set of parents always discipline their kids. Is that not true? If you don't discipline your kids, watch out. That may be cute a little bit when they're little. You wait till they hit 13, 14, 15, 16. I was a youth pastor for 20 years. Trust me. Kids need discipline. But you, know, you take that same thought, you bring it back to yourself. In the same way in growing in my life with him, in order to be what I'm supposed to be, a productive citizen of the kingdom of God, I need discipline. Don't resist it. Don't run from it. Embrace it, even though at the time it's not necessarily pleasant. So uh, I'll tell you kind of a, a quick story. Um, we, I was in a staff meeting a few months ago. Staff meeting, so, so uh, the members of our, our leadership team were together. And I don't remember exactly what was going on in the staff meeting. I don't, I don't know if, if it was just going on long and I was over it. Or if whatever we were discussing, somebody was saying something, and I just thought it was dumb, or whatever, okay. But I was sitting there on my phone. I was sitting in a chair, and my phone was on, on my knee face up, and a text came to my phone, and it was from somebody in the room. And I looked at the text, and it said, your face. <laughs> about my face? I'm thinking, did, did I spill something on my, what's, and and I, text, I said, my face, question mark, and they text back, yes, your face. And it began to dawn on me, whatever I was thinking in my mind was showing up on my face. And it probably wasn't nice. So especially if it was about something somebody was saying. But anyways, now I've been working with those people for a long time. We know each other very well. And after the meeting, I went to this person. I said, was it bad? They go, oh, my gosh. Like, it, it, you don't understand the lack of poker face you had in that meeting today. And it really struck me because I consider myself a rather even keel person all the time. Um, it also is because there are times that I actually run those meetings. I, I'm, a, I'm a campus pastor. I'm an executive director. So I always pound people and say the first step of all leadership is learning how to set an example. I always, I always say that. But yet, there I was in a leadership meeting, and whatever's going on in my face prompted a text from somebody in the room, your face. <laughs> the Lord in that moment used that moment to prune me a little bit. Maybe you're not always even keel as you think you are. 
some of the stuff that you preach about setting an example and, and, and how you treat people, apparently you're falling off the wagon a little bit. He's, he started to prune me a little bit. So I could have been like, ah, psh, whatever. Or you were just reading me wrong. Or you know what? I'm a leader. I have a right to do what I want. If I want to look that way, I can look that way, which is never true. Or I could step back and receive. And by the way, the person that texts me is an assistant to another executive director. So they're not even on par with me as far as the structure goes. I didn't have to listen to them. But I took it to heart. Now, that was a few months ago. Um, I, I wish I could say it's been perfect since then. There was one other time in a meeting I got a text, your face, okay? So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> smile, you know. You know what I'm saying? But to embrace challenge, to embrace correction, to embrace the fact that there are things that I need to work on to produce fruit in keeping with being a disciple of Jesus. And I'm willing to receive it and know that in the moment, your face is not something I just wanted to receive by a text to know that it's gonna help me grow later. So it's good. That's what God does. Sometimes when he comes to prune, I'm telling you, he exposes you to yourself a little bit. Things you maybe were aware of, but you come to a place of ignoring it or something brand new, like I was not aware of that. But regardless of whatever the case is, receive it so you can grow because this is important. This is important. Remember I was telling you the story the first Sunday we did this. Uh, I was in college and, and North Glenstone Avenue was right in front of the college and all of a sudden I saw two cars, a truck that had a lift on it and a car just absolutely destroying each other going down in front of the college, which is the most amazing thing. You see it on videos, you never think you see it in real life like a demolition derby driving down in front of my college. See, <clears throat> fruit is important because both of those people lost self-control, and that is not in keeping with being a disciple of Jesus. And I don't know if they were saved or not, but the point being, they had no self-control. Why is fruit important? Because either of those people, when they hopped out of the car, couldn't turn around and say, by the way, before everybody leaves, let me tell you about Jesus. It wouldn't have worked. Because the lack of fruit of self-control in that time was not leading up to an effective witness to a world that needs a witness that bears fruit. You can say all you want, but is your life backing up what you're saying? Fruit's important. So there's nobody, 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 including me, who's been pastoring for, for uh, wow, 28 or 29 years, that's still there, that's there to place that there doesn't need to still be some sort of pruning process happening. I'm very aware that God's still working on me, in other words. And I've come to learn to embrace it. Because the moment I don't feel like I need corrected or changed or anything about me needs tweaked, then I, I'm, I'm bigger than my britches are. As the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And I never want to get to that place. So God is working on you. But here's the thing. Listen, he is 
the master gardener. Listen, he knows what he's doing. He's just not in there like I do sometimes when, when uh, I've got to have this thing up there. So I, I planted, we, we, we built our house, we bought a cornfield. There are no trees on it, right? So every plant on that property, trees and everything, we planted since we lived there. So I've got trees that none of them were taller than me when I planted them. So now some of them are big and some of them are getting a little crazy. So I get in there with this thing and I start pruning a little bit. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just know it needs to happen. I'm trying to figure it out. I hope I'm not hurting the tree, killing the tree, whatever. God's not like that. He's not in your life just hacking away at you, trying to figure out what he's doing. I hope it produces something. He's the master gardener. He knows best. He's not going to mess you up. He's going to help you, even if in the moment it doesn't feel pleasant. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your life? Because he is going to do what is best. I am thankful for the many times in my life, looking back, hindsight 2020, when a person in my life that I trusted and respect came, came and said, hey, that's not good. I, I have learned to trust when the community of believers has things to say sometimes. I have learned to very much listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. Even if the moment I feel something that I'm not sure about or I completely understand at the time, just obey him. Get in that process. Why? Because growth, growth happens. Trust him. He has your best interest in mind. And you say, I feel like he's been pruning me for a long time. Okay, but he knows best. Because there is going to be such a growth of fruit in your life at the end of that season that it's just going to bust out. And you're going to go, oh. Because we didn't read down far enough, but we talked about this the last couple weeks in this, this passage. At the end of it, near the end of it, Jesus makes a comment. He says, okay, you're no longer servants, but now you're a friend. Why do you say that? Because of this. A servant only ever does what they're told to do, but they often don't understand why. A friend still does things, but the friend catches the heart. See, when you start to catch the heart of God, and you, you're more of a friend than a servant, even though pruning at the time is not pleasant, you start to see a bigger picture and go, yes, but this is good. And you're more pliable and submissive to the process. I don't understand how it's going to be good, but it's going to be good. I don't like it right now, but it's going to turn out good. And you catch the bigger heart of the father of why he's doing it. That's going from a servant to a friend. God is taking you somewhere. He never leaves you just as you are. And that's the wonderful thing about God because, listen, when Jesus said that he has come to give us life and give it to the poor, in other words, abundant life, he's not talking about your bank account. He's talking about fruitfulness. He has come to give you life in its fullness that will result in eternal life. He's after this. 
Amen? But you got to get pruned sometimes. Allow him to do what he wants to do. Submit to him. And this wonderful work of the master gardener will be happening in your life. That's an amazing, absolutely amazing thing. Amen? So the first thing you tell yourself is, I'm not there yet. And be honest. Second thing you tell yourself is actually pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, help me. And he will. And the third thing to know is then when he's doing it, this is for my good. Amen. I'm interested in a church of people that are not just saved, but are growing into fruitfulness. In other words, there's another word saying long-term discipleship. Same thing. That's what we're after. So when we leave this place, we go as a light in the world or a fruitful church. As the Bible says and Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, they may see your good deeds, fruitfulness, and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Now, I'm thankful that he's not demanding I'm perfect today because that's not going to happen. But I'm thankful he's putting us in a process of growth because he sees the heart. So, you're not there yet. Don't beat yourself up about it, but let him do his work. Okay? Stand up. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Lord, help us grow. Lord, help us change. Lord, help us become what you intend us to be, that's living out our salvation. Help us. Lord, I pray in the times when we're being pruned, Lord, that we have wisdom that catches our heart that this is what is happening. And we're patient with what you're doing. And we submit and we're pliable. But I thank you for caring. Not only to save a lost people, a lost creation, but also to show us what it means while we live on this earth to live an abundant, fruitful life. Thank you for caring. You could leave us lost in our sin and our messiness and the dead things in our life and the infected things in our life, but you care enough to prune out from us what is harmful to us. Thank you. So we submit ourselves to you in that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want to in this moment, just say, Lord, Lord, help me, grow me. I submit. Just tell him. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We all said, amen. All right, now before you go, if, if you're new with us today, in the chair in front of you are these little connect cards. If you fill this out real quick.